Good day, welcome to Cracking the Code. My name is Ryan Skinner, and I have an awesome guest here today, a young lady I've been friends with for not a long time, but we got to know no. each other kind of through the group of people, Liz Oliphant. Did I say the last name right? You did, yes, look at, look very well done. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> you know, I have the reading ability of like a third grader, the writing ability and spelling ability of like a fifth grader. <laughs> Thank God I'm at numbers. You gotta so, know your strengths. Yeah, yeah, you and I stay away strength. from my weaknesses. When my my 11 year old corrects me, I'm like, ah, it's not good, it's not good. <laughs> I try to stand up, no, no, I'm right. She's like, no, you're wrong. Like, <laughs> Thank God for kids. I mean, yeah. just to really give it to us when we need it. Kids are well. Kids are also like the best life lesson. You know, you I learn more from like my stepdaughter and my daughter. And you got well. I didn't learn much from. I was never a book person. I learned like on the job in my career. I learned on the job. Everything I did, I learned as I went. Yeah. But kids make you slow down and kind of pay attention. Yeah, my um, I have three. My oldest is nine. My middle is seven, and then my youngest is four. And mm. They all have their strengths in different ways and uh, are their, their quirks, I guess. But I'm always amazed by my nine-year-old. She is so incredibly um, emotionally aware. And she can she can articulate what she's thinking, what she's feeling, why she feels this way. She's very mature. I have a lot of faith in her. <laughs> well, you know, it's awesome that you said it. I think it's so important. And, and this is something I'll touch on. You know, you know Liz, obviously, Liz is in recovery. And how long have you been sober in Cleveland? Um, over six years. So awesome. I celebrated six years the end of August. That's awesome. And, yeah. you know, I think that's why one of two things happens when a parent's an addict. One, the kid becomes an addict or has insecurities and it's not getting enough attention and seeking totally. it elsewhere. Or you have a parent who's in recovery, not sober, but in recovery. And that kid learns to speak how they feel and they learn it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be who you are. Yeah. And there's a way, there's solutions and we're going to share them, but you have to come to us. My 11-year-old is very, very good at that. Mm -hmm. She's a therapist. She'll talk about things. I mean, she talks like, she talks like a 30-year-old sometimes. Yeah. Um, not because she had me in her life who was an addict, which probably, you know, I wasn't really too active while I was with her, that's to say at least. But I would say that her dad and her mom not getting along impacted her. And having a therapist has been awesome for her. She's just very – and they're more advanced now just in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure talking to you, a 9-year-old, talking to my 11-year-old, they don't talk like we did. They have like these nice sentences. They articulate oh. things. No, I mean, God bless. My parents did the best that they could with what they had, right? <laughs> but I am so glad that this program has brought me to a place where I am self-aware and that I'm not afraid to talk about these things. And I'm not afraid to talk about them with my kids, obviously in an age-appropriate manner. Um, but yeah, like God forbid one of my kids, I mean, we all know this disease does not uh, discriminate, you know, like anyone can become addicted at any time in life. Um, and, you know, thank God, like I have been in this program and I've developed some great tools and I have the wellness and I can be able to talk with my kids if they get down this. I mean, literally my seven-year-old was asking me about drug dealers a couple of weeks ago. Really? Like, well, where do they get drugs? And why, why do they give them to kids? Why would they give them to kids? Cause you know, yeah. Halloween candy, you know, oh, all yeah. that stuff. And, um, why would they give them to kids and where do they get them? If they don't get from a doctor and it's like, I was not expecting to have this conversation with my seven year old this week, but, but here we are, good. Yeah, you know? Um, so it's, it's definitely, uh, full of curveballs. Yeah. The positive of that is that he comes to you and talks to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's not afraid. Like what if mom says this? What if she does this? And, and then you can say it and you can be open. I mean, I think that's awesome. Yeah. It's strange that they're that aware at that age. Yes. At that age, I didn't even know what a drug was, you know? And, yeah, no. And it doesn't discriminate. I'd say I never touched a drug. I mean, I might have dabbled once or twice, but I was a good kid. And at 25, when they had the cancer and they had the tumors, they removed them and they, boom, oxygen came in. 
I remember thinking, like, I'm not going to get hooked on these. I mean, I'm not, I'm not an addict or an alcoholic. I'm a 25-year-old business guy. Yeah, yeah. And a year later, I realized I wasn't a 25-year-old business guy anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so let me ask you a question. When do you first, and, you know, again, some of this is painful enough. It is. I'll kind of, you know, leap back off a little. No. But I think, you know, I'll be very candid. When I saw you walking to that meeting with those young kids, I thought, wow, that girl's so strong. She's got her shit together. You know, she's a good-looking, articulate woman who's walking in with these kids and, the kids are doing well under her. And I thought, wow. Like, I was impressed. A lot of us were impressed. We were talking. And, and yeah, like, guys and guys. So, like, you might be like, oh, yeah, they're cackling about looks and stuff. But a lot of it was too. Like, wow, she's, she's solid. Yeah. And you can see that across the room. And I know that's not something that's just given that's earned, you know. Yeah. So, and it's earned by, it's like anything. You got to go through the fire. You know, steel goes through the fire to be molded. And we yeah. had to go. So, where did your fire start? So, I would say, I, I, I mean, I, you want, like, my recovery? Well, I, I'm kind of like to hear where the where the hell began. To be honest, oh my you know. god, the hell! Unless the hell began. I mean, I was always in. <laughs> I mean, I grew up like I was. I mean, I had literally everything. You know, such a nice, wealthy family, great parents, um, and I want to say 9/11 was when when my life changed okay. forever. I was a senior in high school. <clears throat> I was living in a suburb of New Jersey. Um, my 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 uncle was killed. Uh, my mom's brother. Was my, he in a building? Or was yeah, he a, he, right. we worked for Sandler O'Neill. Um, my sister, who um, she's eight years older than I am, she lived, she was working in the second tower at the time, got out. My father was about to go under the Lincoln Tunnel, turned around, came out. My brother was worked at Deutsche Bank across, yeah. across the street, wasn't at work that day. Um, and it just, it just blew up my family. And all of the, I mean, that was, that was the, the flame to the fumes, you know, that, yeah, that, yeah, just, that really, I mean, all the insecurities, all the isms that were in me, that was when it all took off. That um, just hit me like a tidal wave. So I yeah. can't even imagine. I mean, and it's, so I was 17 at the time, you know, a senior in high school. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's just when the wheels came off for me. And, and I just tried geographical cure. Like I thought, you know, I thought my, my first, form of addiction was food you know i developed a raging eating disorder um but then it was like whack-a-mole you know it was like at first i'd be you know engaging in eating disorder then i'd be drinking and then when that would catch up to me and i would get too close to that like i'd go to drugs or men or like i mean it was constantly a battle of like literally i'm envisioning myself at like an arcade right now playing yeah. the game of whack-a-mole yeah, no um, <laughs> it was like whatever was convenient at the time and i just like, I, I mean, I thought that changing schools would cure me. I thought that finding the right man would cure me. Then I thought that getting married would, would fix me. And I thought that having a baby would fix me. I thought that having another baby would fix me. And none of these things fixed me because it's an inside job. And those are all external things. And, you know, I got to a point where all of the boundaries, all the lines that I had drawn in the sand, the things that I would never do, I would never put my kids in harm's way, I would never do this, never do that, I started doing those things. Ugh. And I didn't have the big, I didn't have the big jackpots like people say, like I didn't get a DUI, I didn't lose my kids, I didn't lose my husband, but I was just dying inside. I felt so miserable. Um, and I started to resent everyone else who wasn't living in miserable in misery because it was like how do you know the secret how are you living life <laughs> yeah like what like tell me the secret um and it was just always somebody else's fault it was somebody else's fault while i was sick it was somebody else's fault that i was miserable and unhappy and it's just 
it's just not, doesn't work that way. And I think once I started to actually accept accountability, you know, they like, once I realized that like, it is my recovery, it is my job to fix myself. It wasn't a shameful realization. It was a powerful realization because then it was like, okay, I'm not relying on you to change me. That is my job. So, I mean, it just, didn't want to be miserable anymore. I came into the rooms and I was literally, I couldn't even take my head out of my hands. I was like shivering, shaking, so broken. And just like little by little, I just started to kind of like come out of it. Um, That's hard to believe. I've only seen this you. Yeah. And it's, you know, (laughs) you brought me right back to a number of things. Like when you talked about um, when you finally stopped, right? My last time that I relapsed wasn't like the other ones. The other ones were handcuffs, jail cells, over uh, withdrawals, overdose, you name it. But it was yeah. this time. It was like, wow, like you know, I this can't go on. Yeah. This can't go on. I, I just and I have a choice. And once I realized I had a choice, and how much power there was, you know, you surrender to the fact that you know, they surrender to win. Okay, I can't do this. I just can't do this anymore. Yeah. Then it's like, okay, what do I do? Well, the only thing I have control over is I can do this, this, and this. And I will tell you, this time was the hardest, but the easiest. It was the hardest because it was just like, where do I begin? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. where do I begin? Like, even just, it was easy because it was like, all right, I finally had faith that, like, God would take care of it. Yeah. And I went through it, and I didn't have those, like, I lost sleep for, like, two nights. Not two months, two nights. <laughs> I mean, I remember before being, like, months. So that was hard, but not that hard. I was going through, you know, I get some other personal stuff going on in my life and this and that. And I, and I had so much, I think because I had so much going on. I don't know about you, I'm best when things are bad. I can show up to the fight and stay strong. Yeah. When things are good and I'm supposed to just enjoy life, I botch up every time. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. At your bottom, you, and from what I'm gathering, it wasn't some sort of bonfire. It was more just the pain got to be too much. It got to be too much. Um, you know, I uh, my husband had I had flown down to visit my brother down in Texas and his wife. And I promised my husband, we had two kids at the time, th- my daughter was three, my son was one. And he was like, you need to go away, go enjoy your brother. Think about your life. Like, think about like this, like I, you know, you got to stop drinking, you got a problem. Like, you know, and I proceed and I was like, I was so dead serious. Like, I'm not going to drink this weekend. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to take the time away. I'm going to think about things. I'm going to come back ready. And like, we're going to do this. And I proceeded to get blackout. Yeah. And, um, you know, I woke up at two in the morning on my brother's couch, my bathing suit, gash on my shoulder no clue where it came from phone was dead and i just had this pit in my stomach i was like oh my god like i don't know what's going on but it is not good um and thank god i was safe because there were a lot of times where i woke up with that pit in my stomach and you know it was i was not in the safety of my brother's home on his couch it's scary for women you know it's scary it for women i mean guys i'm wrong it's not you know i'm not a tough guy i don't want to wake up in weird places you hear about rapes and um, day rape drugs and all that yeah. stuff. It's funny, you know, that feeling like when you get up at a.m. and you pass a lie detector test, I'm never going to use again. Yeah. And then by 10 a.m. these and you, you mean drinking, it when you say you, it. You believe you it. You have it. this conviction. I tell people, like, the only reason I know there's a devil is because there's a negative pull. I don't mean like a person, but there's some sort of negative pull. And when there's a drug or alcohol, to me, there's something that pulls me. It's like, it's like a magnet. Yeah. And if I take one step closer, that pulls closer and pulls closer. The only thing I can do is just push hard this way. You know, my buddy George Mumford says, feed the good wolf. Because if you don't, you can't focus on not feeding the bad wolf because you can't do that so long. Yeah, I mean, you can only stay away so long. But when you stop feeding the good wolf and do the step work, 
I believe that's what the solution is. Well, it, yeah, it's so so much, and it's like all the all the the work and the like literally the how hard we worked to chase the drug, the booze, the food, like whatever. You know, you got to chase recovery twice as hard, sometimes more than that, and like it doesn't just come. No, you know, you gotta you gotta chase it. And like right now, I'm at a point in my life like I am diving into my program, work with two different sponsors because. I know if I don't, all this stuff is waiting for me. You know, they say yeah. while you're in these rooms, like your disease is in the corner doing push-ups. I like, actually, I, mean, I never understood that. Nor did I believe it. I was like, yeah, whatever. Now, if somebody who's gone through it, yeah, it's doing, it's doing steroids. Yeah, right. You know, and um, and yeah, I mean, you're going through a lot right now. You're going through a tough time. It's great, you know. It's great to see you go through this as be a good mother. Yeah. You know, if somebody says to me, right, like right now, I'm going through a similar situation. And then on top of that, I have some work stresses and some other stuff. And somebody said, I'm glad you're going through this. I'm like, F you. You're glad I'm going through this? You know, like, these are the things that make you grow spiritually. And I will tell you, and I know from experience, and I know you know, but maybe you need to hear it sometimes. You're already really strong and dialed in. You, you help a lot of people. But when you get on the other side of this. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I mean, like, I'll, I'll take it one step further. Like, I'm glad I'm going through this right now. Because if I was going through this six years ago, or even two years ago, yeah, like I, I really don't think that I would be handling it as well. Um, and, and thank God I have this like such a strong program, and I have support of people in these rooms that are literally, you know, six weeks ago I couldn't walk; they were carrying me through the day. Um, and thank God for that. Uh, yeah. You no, know, that's what we do. I mean, yeah. we're, this program, people don't understand it. Um, a lot of my buddies, they don't have guy, girls that are friends or this and that. They're just, you know, they're normal guys. And they're like, you like girls that are friends. Are you sure they just, I'm like, yeah. I, <laughs> when you get this program, yeah, you might meet somebody nice, you start dating them or whatever, but you also have like brothers and sisters. Yeah. You have people that, I, mean, I always see, there are people I would do anything for for no reason. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Um, so my ex always says, you know, you would go to A and do anything for any one of these people, but you wouldn't do it for me. There's a bond. The answer is yes. Is that what? That's the truth. The honest and glad truth is the fact that I would absolutely do that because there's something there that they would do it for me also for no reason. Like right. the thing, you know, the thing we had was it was always a tip for ten. It wasn't a healthy situation. But if you know, if I an AA person, well, there's no strings attached when you help a friend when you help a fellow AA member out. There are no strings attached. It's awesome. And maybe that's one of the reasons why it makes it so hard for to accept help. You know, sometimes. Yeah, it's awkward. Well, it's awkward at first. You're like, what what do they? Well, I remember thinking to myself, so I'll say, my first first sponsor. I still go to him a lot, but he moved to Florida recently. He's also a client. Billy and uh, I, I have two Billys. The one who sponsored me now, Billy J from Winchester. Okay. And the the, uh, landscape guy. And Billy T, the one who said, never wear sleeves. Um, (laughs) I mean, funny, he never has sleeves on. Yeah, yeah, he really, yeah, but great guy. But Billy, um, I don't, oh, so we talk about so when he first started sponsoring me. I'm, you know, I'm just getting out of jail. I'm broke. I'm so I'm not sober. I'm getting sober, and I got nothing going for me. And he's like coming around. Here's this guy, fit, 49 years old. I'm 30, 29, and I'm like, what's it? You know, and I kept like yeah. waiting for him to like kind of cross the line. Right. And then I realized he's got no perverted intentions. He's just here to like do God's work. And God, like I, I know sometimes people hate God. Whoa. To me, God is that positive energy. It's the opposite, evil, you know, the negative. There's something out there. I can't describe it. But when I dial into it and when I act in gratitude and I try to be kind to people, I, something happens in my life. It's electric. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. Um, well, I get to interview people like you, honestly. I get to interview people who have changed their life, helped change other people's lives. While I mean, you think about it, right now, you sponsor girls, correct? 
Yeah. You, you still work at that program? Yeah. So you're working in a program helping kids with recovery. So there's two things you give them Oh, back. I'm not working at STEPS anymore. They work at that. What do you do? <sighs> so right now I'm just subbing in my kids' schools. Oh, okay. So I got to be available that, to them. That's kind of nice. Yeah, it's nice. They like, listen, they like having me in their schools, yeah. which will not last forever. So I'm going to take what I can get while they, Here's before the they start hating me. Yeah, when you go back to doing the other you know, stuff, the, the money always comes. You know that. You know, I, and I want to do something that matters, you know, like I, I don't, I'm fortunate enough where I can pick and choose what I what I want to do. And, um, you know, I, I, before school season started, I thought about maybe going back to school. I thought about going back to this other program. I definitely still want to be in the recovery program, but I just don't know what an aspect. And like, I want to find the right opportunity. Yeah, um, I don't want to rush into something, but I know that, like, I loved working with the kids at that program. They, they seemed like nice kids. They were, they were great kids. These, like some lives. of these kids, some of these kids were, I think, very much victims of their situation. You know, oh, these so. kids are 13 to 17 year olds, they're you know, terrible young. family lives, you know, but some of them make really poor decisions, consistently poor decisions. Um, but a lot of them, they just need someone to believe in them. But they, they never got that love. Me. No, I don't know parents, but some, and that's why, parents and some of these too. kids, they don't want to leave. They don't, they don't they? want to graduate from the program, you know, um, but I remember one girl came in and, you know, she hated school. She was at a Botech and, like, was changing programs. But she loved, I mean, her makeup was just beautiful daily. And, um, was she, she 12? Was, no, <laughs> no, she was, like, she was like 16. Okay. But, um, you know, she felt like she constantly had to do this other program of, like, nursing and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm going to take you to Empire Music Empire, Empire Beauty School. Oh, okay. We went and took a tour of the school and sat down with one of the counselors there and, you know, she went through and like her eyes were just lighting up and it was something really? that she had like a passion for. But no one ever saw that. Or if they saw that, they were just like, just go do your makeup. Yeah. You know, go, go look. Well, that's the problem is a but lot of people like, just shoot people off. Right. But that? like they just need someone who sees that little glimpse in them and is willing and able to take it one step further and show them like, listen, there is more to your future than just being on the streets yeah. or being like your parents. Or not, or, or like whatever. Like just right. being sober is good at first, but you need a life. Like right. if, if I didn't, I look at certain things that other guys have, and I'm like, I want that. I want that. I don't yeah. want that. You know, I didn't really want to be going through a divorce. It wasn't a goal of mine. But you know, <laughs> but you know, when you get married and you're doing codependent stuff, it's, it doesn't work, and you have to. And part of the gift of recovery is you can get through. Like Chuck's been like godsend with that. Yeah. He told me a year ago, you get a divorce, you know, and I'm like, well, we might, we're going to do marriage counseling, you know, because I mean, it's, you know, it's like telling somebody, you know, you're dying, you like, enjoy the ride. Yeah. So, you know, and early on though, I accepted it that we would meet and talk about different things, like how to prepare for it. Because, um, you know, it, it is hard. We were talking about your work and like how you want to make a difference. I think that's tremendous. Oh, yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think of like God working in different ways, meaning this, guys like me and a couple other people I know that are in recovery, they have business jobs, want to open a recovery place eventually. I am no more equipped to manage a recovery place than I am to be a zookeeper. I'm just not. It's yeah. just, I don't yeah. have the experience, the knowledge, or anything. But I would like to, one, it's a chance for me to buy property and own property and have it appreciate rather than just be a landlord. Two, it's something like that where you can contribute to people's lives. Right. Well, and you know. so many people can do that. And that's how it's going to happen for you. Something's going to click yeah. where it's going to be a group of us with an idea of like wanting to be in and you have an idea you're ready to run with. Yeah. That's how it works. Well, it's, it's, it's. Ironic to me because for so long, for so many years, I was so insecure. I thought I was 
I, I mean, from a very young age, I wasn't smart enough, pretty enough, funny enough. Really? You know, like all these things. I never felt like I remember when homeschooling started. So my daughter was in kindergarten when COVID hit. Oh, yeah. And they started doing homeschooling. And oh, my God, I panicked because I can't teach her. I can't teach her. I would have felt the same way. I was so panicked. And I remember my sponsor was like, what are you talking about? It's literally, it's ABCs. And I was like, it doesn't matter. I can't, I can't do yeah. it. I can't do it. Like I'm dumb. You don't get it. And now to be at a place where I'm like, you know, I didn't, so I was, my, my role at Steps was tutor. Okay. And I didn't oh, I want it. I didn't want it. I was, I was very much pursued for the, for the job. I started as just a recovery specialist, you know? Okay. And um, I was like, I, what are you talking about? Like, I, I can't That's help cool. people learn. And um, I was, I remember first accepting the position and being, and then like realizing, oh, I, I'm not dumb. Yeah. I'm not dumb. Like even in recovery, I had that lie in my head yeah. that I wasn't good enough still. And I think once I was around these kids and they, the lights were coming on, as people say, like, yeah. I just felt like I was making a difference. Not a huge difference, but it was like a little bit each day. But yeah, it's a difference. And like, it was such a good, it, and I think that, you know, as I said earlier, my, my parents really did the best they could with what they had. But I are your parents. I, are your parents out long through Axio? No, okay. my dad has been. In, my dad has been in and out of in and out of the program. But okay. you know, this is very much this is very much me. <laughs> um, but uh, I I really think that if I had someone like I could be to these kids, maybe just maybe I could have. I could have escaped some of the pain and misery that I inflicted on myself. Of course. And, and not only that, you know? but if you think about what I'm thinking when you're talking about that, I think, God, she, she thinks she was tutoring them about school. Like, you were really, I mean, maybe 5% of it was school. You were building a self-esteem. You were giving them a relationship. Right. Very little of what you did was probably tutoring. It was so much no. more, you know? I mean, they didn't have a ton of schoolwork, but it was about encouraging and letting them know, like, you can do this. Like, yeah. you know, because these kids, I mean, if I thought that I was... All these things, like, I mean, these kids were so much further down that rabbit hole than I ever was. Um, and I remember, so after I had my third child in sobriety, oh, he okay. just turned four a couple days ago. Um, cool. He's my sobriety baby. Is he and, the one that took the phone away when I was calling you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was him. Um, running around as ninja ninja costume. But, um, you know, so when he turned like two, I was like, I, I got to get back to work. I was a fitness instructor for many years. That was what I did. And I was just when I stopped teaching when I was pregnant with him and then COVID hit. And I was like, there's no way I'm going back yeah, to that. Because, job to back and to that was I very much <coughs> used that as a mask because it was like, see, look at me. I'm in physically great yeah. shape. I can lead a class. I'm that. But like I'm dying inside. And it was I was like, I can't go back there. It's, it's too so strange triggering. to hear that, you know. You always think, at least I always think, I shouldn't say I, I always think that like the things that my insecurities, like when I give workshops, I, I you know, he's been to my workshops. I always am like, well, I speak fast and mumble. I don't pronounce my R's. But when it comes to like what I do, I, I'm, my numbers, if you look at what I bring in for a business, you'd be yeah. like, wow. Meanwhile, I'm I'm so insecure, like rattled about it. Like I said to him after, like, yeah, I don't want to see, I never watch a video myself. I never watch a podcast. Really? Never, never, I've never, ever, ever seen any of those things. The insecurity level goes. I've had it watch once to dissect it. Some of my workshops, it. You would think I'm a guy who doesn't bring in business. Yeah. The way I have my insecurities and my fears. I mean, the reason I have success is I'm financially so insecure. I have such financial security. I chase it like I chase a drug. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm so afraid I'll frighten my daughter and all that stuff. So to hear you saying those insecurities, I'm like, really? And then you said, think about like fitness in the mask. Like there were times where I get in great shape. And when I'm in great shape, you know, I always say, you know, I'm in great pain. Like right now I'm starting to get abs. Yeah. You can tell I'm in a lot of pain. Yeah. But that's just how it yeah. goes. I don't know how it is. Um, when I'm, when life's hot, I can do a lot of things because I'm trying to cover up the pain. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear you share that. I appreciate you sharing that because for me, I would never, I'm being honest, we kind of know each other for the program. I know you get stuff going on. You walk into that meeting like you're gliding. Like, hey, you know, nobody yeah. would know you have any pain. Yeah. But like when I come into the rooms, I know like I'm okay. I know. You know, there's such safety there and such like just warmth in those meetings. Because I can say, I can talk about the mistakes I've made and know that people aren't considering them moral failures. No. You know, like I'm still a Most good person. Related. I've made bad decisions in my life and, and even in sobriety, I've made bad decisions. I'm still a good person. I and like that, you know, outside of that room, that's not always the case. Yeah, you know? well, people people judge a lot. <laughs> and I mean, a lot. I mean, I'm catching a lot of judgment right now. I've had people say, why don't you stay married? I'm like, oh, God, we're, yeah. we're not happy. Like, we get two kids. I, no, I'm very well aware I have kids. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? Right? I do know what they look like. I do pay their bills. I kiss them at night. Like, I'm pretty sure those two, I know who they are. Yeah. But it's like one of those things that everybody has an opinion. AA people say, yeah, yeah, I did that. Like, yeah, I mean, I can tell people I knew before I got married. There were all these signposts. And it wasn't like I thought, like, ah, oh, no. I knew it was going to end this way. Yeah, yeah. And hence, I had a very detailed prenup because I knew two things one I knew who it was going to end this way and two I knew who she was I also knew who I was she was sick people I remember my buddy saying buddy you get two flakes get married it's going to be a blizzard <laughs> like, well you know and he's like no 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 this isn't going to end well yeah no I mean listen when I when I got married I was so sick when we started, when we got together, I was so sick. We were so young. No, yeah, you know, we, we were, were married at like 26. Oh, Jesus. No, yeah, oh, 26. It's young. How old are you now? 39. Yes, you're, 39. you're younger than me. I see my age, but you're not. But you're I mean, so I was, I was so <coughs> bulimic. I was so <coughs> addicted to alcohol. Uh, you know, and like, and I, the more time in sobriety and recovery I got, the more that feeling in my stomach was like, this isn't right. Like yeah, I, I just isn't right. And as sad as that is, like, but I didn't have, you know, I just, I am at a point now I don't, I don't want to suffer in silence. Like my, I deserve to be happy. My husband deserves to be happy. You know, my kids deserve to be with two happy parents. And they deserve not to see like real things. Meaning if you're single, they deserve to see a strong mom. If you're a relationship, they deserve to see you in a healthy relationship because yeah. kids will dive into the same situations we're in. You look for that. I mean, we looked for that. I'm sure you did. You may not have found it. You came up short of what your parents had. I mean, it's a little different. For me, we came up way short. The one thing I did was, for me, I was 37. I was in finance. I, I was in recovery. I had a house, a car, a business, you know. Yeah. And I thought I was supposed to be married. And that's the thing. I think we do so many things because we're supposed to right. do Right, yeah. I mean, it's so hard, you know. And it's, it's there's... I remember um, talking to a friend of mine. She's in she's in recovery, and she was like, "And I didn't know whether I wanted to stay or what I whether I wanted to go." Which means you want to go. What did you say? Which means you wanted to yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> but she was. I was like, I don't know if I can go through with it. She goes, "Listen, either way, you're at the bottom of the mountain. If you choose to stay, you got to go up the mountain. If you choose to leave, you got to go up the mountain. Either way, it's you're going up a mountain. And um, you know, I, I don't know." The one thing I do know is that I'm going to be okay. 
My higher power, I didn't, I mean, I think for a long time, what kept me out of the rooms and helped, kept me out of getting help was that like, I just tried to force this relationship with a higher power. Anytime I would see, I would, but then I would look for any excuse, like, see, he's not there. See, there's no higher power. Like, I, I don't I, have it. I it. And, um, you know, slowly over time in recovery, I've had these moments where it's like, oh, that wasn't me. That, that, that definitely wasn't me. Um, and he's, my higher power has shown me I'll be okay. And if I stay in the program, stay with the people who support me and, you know, are good for my program, I'll be okay. You'll be better than okay. Right. And thank God I'm, I'm sober going into it. I'm healthy going into it because if I wasn't, oh my God. I can't imagine going through it. Like, and I was, there were times where I thought, oh God, but I can't imagine going through it active. Yeah. Because you've got to be on point. Like if I was active, I would be sleeping in up all night. Like, and I would never be able to get up with the kids, drive the kids to school, go to work. And as much as I don't like her, we're not on good terms. I got to show up for life and she deserves a healthy ex. And that's, right. that's what I've been able to deliver. And she's still, I mean, she's on the same. So I'm not criticizing her either, but that's, it's only fair. Both parents have to be willing to give it all. You yeah. know, people say it's 50, 50 bullshit. It's hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Marriage is that way. And, I, and I, we didn't do that. So I'm not saying we did, but I, you know, <laughs> a lot of people who do it, they have success. Yeah. And, um, and parenting's that way. Parenting's yeah. even more. You got to put your soul into it. I mean, you know, I talked to you last night. You were juggling fire, chewing glass, driving football, doing this. I said, Jesus Christ, she's a yeah. magician. Like, tried to try calling me. My son had my, you know, yeah, this four year old got a four year old on the phone telling me he wasn't going to talk. Yeah. No phone right now. But you know, the cool thing is, like in recovery, I can have conversations with my with my seven year old. He holds a lot inside. My nine year old, she can talk about it. She can identify what she's feeling. She can. She can articulate it. My huh? seven, he's he's different. He holds it all in. He'll take it out on the football field. Is that good and or bad? I, said to him, I don't know really so, I don't know. So I, I, but I was talking to him. I was like, you know, it's okay to have these feelings. That's you know, cool. what we got to learn how to do is deal with them. Because God, for, like, imagine if I'm showing through him an example of, like, shoving these feelings down and then raging over yeah. alcohol. Well, do you or, rage or, like, at most people? I don't rage. No, I yell at times. What parent uh, does We all yell. I mean. You know, but, like, you know, I can lead by example. Of like doing the right thing, talking yeah. about things. Like, yeah, I'm trying to be strong for my kids, but I also show them freaking human yeah, sometimes, and I get sad and I cry. You know, I had my birthday. Um, my birthday was you know about a month ago. Happy birthday! And, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> I <didn't> know. <laughs> and um, I got really sad over over. And I'm sitting there in front of cupcakes, and my kids around me. My parents came up, and it was my first birthday. You know, yeah. as, as this process started, and I started crying, and. You know, part of me was like, stop, suck it up. Don't yeah. let them see it. But another part of me is like, I'm human. They've got to know that, like, I'm hurting too. So they don't feel alone in this. That's hitting me you high know? right now because I'm, I'm my birthday's in November. And I've been it's thinking hard. about it a yeah, lot. I mean, and I'm like, and the, the holidays, holidays coming, coming up. up. And absolutely. But something about my birthday because it's mine. It, the holidays for everybody, right? The kids and that. Yeah. Everybody shit at holidays. There's always something to do. But I'm like, yeah, my birthday. I'm like, I'm not going to have, like... You know, and I'll probably plan a business trip to be honest with you. I'll probably, it's a Thursday night, I'll bring it out to um, Carolina and speak and something just to get out of myself. Yeah. But it's just, it, it, it hurts. It's different. It's, it was but you different. know what the thing is? I thought to myself, last year, the year before, I had cupcakes or birthday cake and I had somebody there who just hated my guts and bitching. Like, yeah. you get that done? This is a mess. Hey, parents. It is such a relief to be able to say, hey, you can do what you want to do. I'll get myself cannoli from freaking aromas. <laughs> I will sit outside on the, the, the pond, spot pond. I'll eat that cannoli and let the wind blow at me and be like, you know what? Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's such a better way of life. I know that. 
being in a healthy relationship, when you first said that, it hit me hard because I've been thinking about those things. Like I said, about the holidays, I said, uh, I might have Chuck, you stay with me on the holidays. I go, will you just sleep, sleep over? I can't imagine. So I'm going to go back to what I used to do in the holidays. When I, before I had Mandarin and all that stuff in my life, every like uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, I would just have, cook and get food and I have a bunch of people from AA come and it would be yeah, going yeah. I mean, I'm going to go back to that. Uh, you know, there's a, the thing about AA is, there's a full, rich life out there to be had. There is. No matter how hard you is, yep. there is a way to fulfill that and fill that void. I have more joy and more fun being sober. <laughs> and I remember it all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> than I ever did before, you know? And God bless without the hangovers, you know? But it's like, there is that irrational fear that you have in your head. Like, you're not going to have any friends. No one's going to invite you places. You you're not going to have any fun. You're going to be the boring person and your life's going to suck. And it's just couldn't be farther from the truth. I think, um, man, everything you say is like kneeling me right now, I'll be very honest with you, because I always think I'm going to die alone. Like, I, and my parents, they have a cute relationship. They walk on the beach, they hold hands. Like, it's not perfect, but it's, you know, far from anything I've seen. You know? Yeah, right. But I think I'm like, am I going to die alone? I won't have many friends. Like, work's going to go to hell in a handbag. And it's just, it's that sort of stuff. Doesn't have to be that way. Though. I know, but you know that's, that's, that's the that disease that, like, our disease tells us these things. Like we are worthless, and we, unless you know what I mean, like, like we have nothing, and that's yeah. just not, it's not the case. That's what I'm saying. You just said that, and those things hit me. But the reality is, if you just have the faith, in my right. opinion, to walk in. So, what would you say the biggest catalyst is? Because think about it. There has to be something. We, we all have those fears. When you first come around. That's all you have is a fear. You have no reason to believe it's going to work. Right. What do you think the biggest the biggest catalyst for you and your recovery was? Was it the steps? Was it fellowship? Was it just going all in? I mean, honestly, I was just I was in so much pain. I was just willing. I was willing. That's yeah. all I, I had the willingness. So you, just did you know, you and like my way wasn't working. That was proven. That was a proven that, fact. My way didn't work. Absolutely. And you know, and I just. I remember trying all these other groups, all these other things. I tried going to church. I tried moderation. I tried apps, all this stuff. And I tried anything but What was the last thing you said? Apps. Apps, just like whatever, like moderation drinking. Or there was this other app. Anything but AA. Because I knew AA. I didn't know much about it, but I knew that it's a a program of action. It's over, too. And, yeah, it's over. It's over. They say once you come in, you know. It does ruin it. I mean, I will tell you, as somebody who went back out for a while, it was um, one. It was almost impossible to get back in. Yeah. I mean, I spent a year going to meetings after coming back before I even got it. Yeah. That's insane. Second thing, um, and then I stopped going. I'm like, if it's not going to work, I'm not going. But the second thing is, it takes like so long for you get that feeling once you're back. You know what I mean? Like, whereas if you first come in, you get the feeling a little quick, hang on to it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you get it right off the bat, or did you have relapses? No. So I came in. Um, so I went to. So I went to treatment. I went inpatient treatment for eating disorder when I was younger. Um, and then before I before I got before we got married, right when we got engaged, I was doing an outpatient program. We were living outside of New York City, I, and I would commute into New York City a couple of nights a week and do an IOP there. Um, but I, I I never did treatment for for alcohol. Okay. Um, but kind of once I. I got to a point after I had my son, my second child, 
and it was very quickly after having him within months I was hiding vodka in the basement oh really and I it just came finally came clean to my therapist I didn't know it was that level for you see I, when yeah. you don't know me, you don't know yeah so yeah, I mean I was obviously. we had a little tiny little tiny house it was like 1100 square feet and the, and the laundry was in the basement but where was it it was in Reading right by oh, the train right, station oh right Reading. I think you yeah. were in New York um, no so we got uh, you know well, after we got married we moved up to the Mass, Massachusetts. When did you move to Mass? My husband went to Colby College, okay. um, and uh, a buddy of his we played football with started a started a company, and so we came up. Cool. And he started. Does he so work with us still? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's cool. So, um, but uh, yes, yeah, so I was. I had the laundry was in the basement, and having two young kids, you're doing laundry twenty four seven. So I had the bottle of vodka, like conveniently stashed, kind of like underneath the stairs. And I mean, I have such. I mean, I talk about this every time I every time I chair a meeting. Like I have such a visceral memory of at one point it was like four in the afternoon, and I'm still hungover from the night before, and I'm coming back up days. the stairs, and I'm and I'm holding a bottle of this nasty like flavored vodka to my mouth and I'm thinking to myself I don't want to drink this I don't want to drink this as I'm literally pouring it is mouth. that when you stopped or is that just what no that was that was when it, I realized I'm like I, I'm in trouble here and I came clean to my therapist um, and we involved my husband and he was trying to get how, me to go to meetings he? And, was he supportive you know he was supportive um, he was supportive you know he he was scared he was scared. And well, I, it's, and good, I, it's good to, to hear that because a lot of people don't get scared. I don't think a lot of people realize the gravity you know, of it. It's funny. Like looking back now, I'm able to see it as he was scared. In the moment, you know how I saw it? My disease was telling me he's controlling. I was just going to say He's that. controlling. He's trying to parent you. But yeah. now looking back, like Jesus Christ, he was so. We had two he's very probably, small kids. Yeah. Two small kids. Oh, you had kids in time. That's a baby. Right. We had two babies. I mean, I. My I, daughter, I, there were 25 month old and then a newborn. And like, I'm spiraling. So I, so I, he tried to encourage me to go to meetings and I was going, but I couldn't, I couldn't relate. I spent more time like just comparing and saying, yeah, like, yep. I'm not like you. I'm not like yep. you. Fuck you. Fuck yeah. you. I'm out. You know, yeah, you're a disaster. But <laughs> finally, after that trip down to Texas, I came back and by the grace of God, I came in and I stayed in. Did you hear the message? You, you suddenly you can relate, right? Yeah. When you're ready. It's, it, you're ready. I will tell you this. When I came back around, at first I couldn't hear anything that related to it. I was like, because at that point, my bottom was different. On the outside, it wasn't that bad. On the yeah. inside, it was freaking horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Worst pain I've ever been in my inside ever. And then somebody talked about, you know, being a business person. And on the outside, business is good. And this and that. And family looks good. And everyone sees him and his wife at Christmas parties. And at night, he's nodding off when he's talking his kids in. And I, I looked at him. I'm down. I was in two knuckles when I heard this. And I'm like, they talking about, you know, not going not, not going to work on time. And they talking about staying up late. And they talking about like, his wife yeah. and having, having to, like, fight over the TV because he wants it on when she wants to sleep. And stupid shit. All of which I can relate to. And I was like, I went up. I was like, Mike, I need your number. And I did because we became very good friends. Yeah. And the difference is he managed to work his marriage out back then. But they, I think it also comes when you, if you get together at a young age and you do build a lot of stuff together and you're really dependent, like not yeah. dependent, but you're really integrated. Like I was 37. Like we, I had all my own stuff. She was a nurse um, yeah. at the time. She was working. Like it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't, there was no real tight connection. Do you know what I mean? It was almost like two yeah. separate entities living together. I think that, Maybe if we had tried, 
I don't know. I've been in and out of therapy like <laughs> most of my life. Maybe and we and we we tried things, but I, maybe if we had tried a little sooner, I don't know. But I believe uh, it happens when we're supposed to. I think in my opinion listen, again that doesn't. My opinion really doesn't matter. But I look at you. Got three beautiful kids. Right. You got it, healthier. It's the promises. Than, it, I don't. Yeah. I don't regret the past, nor exactly. wish to shut the door on it. Exactly. I, but I. But I don't crawl before anyone. That's the problem. You know, we're right. Like, we don't want to. We don't want to close the door, and we don't regret the past. Oftentimes, at least in my situation, they want they don't regret the past. They want to burn the past down. So you know, no. and that's why I don't crawl before anyone either. I look at it like, hey, I'll do whatever I can for you, but you're not gonna bark at me. Yeah. yeah. It, so right now, we want today. Things are good. I mean, on the outside, things look good. I'm sure on the inside is a little chaos. But I'll tell you, when we talk, and we don't talk a ton, but we do. You can tell that no matter what's going on, you're okay. You can hear yeah. in your voice. I, I have faith that I'm gonna be okay. Um, like I said, my higher power is proving me. I haven't had to work. I haven't, all I've had to do was try my best and not pick up a drink. It's no perfect. one ever said in, in AA, you have to be perfect. Nobody in AA is perfect. And we don't pretend to be. Yeah. Um, there is so much humility in these rooms. It's, I mean, it's the only safe place where you can be yeah. at times. Um, the only thing that I do perfectly is I don't pick up a drink. You know, and, and I've learned to pick up the phone. I've yeah. learned to text. I've learned to call, you know, and it's crazy. I just, um, yeah, I mean, through the grace of like this program and the relationships that I've developed in this program with like really solid friendships and sponsorship, like I know I'll be okay. You're better than okay. Okay. I, I, although okay is the balls. My, my, my buddy, Mike Wall, he used to say he moved to Florida when he retired. He said, you know what? Okay is the balls. It only for people like us. Yeah. Okay. Like people, other people think okay is like blah. <laughs> but for, for us, okay, it's like this feeling of contentment and yeah. what might be a blast to somebody else to an actor and alcoholic, it's just a nice piece. Yeah. Because yeah. you are awesome today. I think it's Thanks. incredible. Honestly, I think your message is incredible. I really do hope you do something continuing because those kids that came in with you, yeah. they were lighting up. And these are kids. Like, I talked to that young kid Aiden in the bathroom. Yeah. One yeah. time he, we were allowed to talk. Gave my number. He reached out. He went someplace up in Lowell, but I don't know where he is now. He might yeah. be back there. And regardless, good um, kids. very good kids. And he talked about like how you took the time to talk to him. And that's a big oh, thing. I love that. But that's a big thing because I said to him, "What was your favorite thing?" I said, that "Girl, Liz seems nice." And he's like, "Yeah, Liz was my favorite." I go, "Yeah, because she's a pretty one, right?" <laughs> that's, that's easy to do, buddy. I know how that goes. I was your age once. He said, "No, you know," and he was honest. He goes, "No, it's not that." He goes, "She took the time to talk to me." And he's like, "And she listened." So whatever you know. Whenever you're having a bad day, think about that kid, his family, I mean, he was, a, he was fed, basically fed drugs at home yeah. at a young age. I mean, he's a baby. Like, I cry every time I think of the kid. Like, I literally on the phone crying while I'm talking about He's happy to talk. I'm like, yeah, this is great. Good for you. How can somebody be so mean to you? I want to, you know, I want to shoot his parents. Yeah. And, yeah, that's what he said. He goes, oh, no, it's not that. He said, honestly, right. He's like, she talked to me. You know, and we met down. And we sat down. And he goes, and she listened. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So if yeah. nothing else to find you, that does. Thanks, I always say Ryan. What, well, I always say what defines you is what you do for people who do nothing for you. That's true. You know? I like that. You were awesome, Rockstar. Thanks so much. Thanks, sweet, sweet. It was a sweetheart, sweetie, whatever I call Princess. Princess.